WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Firefighter Ethan Quillen of the Pawpaw Volunteer Fire Department is being remembered as a family man who served his community out of love. He was killed Wednesday by a fallen power line in Almina Township. Speaking today, Pawpaw Fire Chief Jim DeGroff said the 28-year-old Quillen was like all fire volunteers. He wanted to help others. The group of people that are here, men and women that serve in this fire department, they love their community. We're so fortunate to have the people we have, and, you know, they don't want anything in return. Their satisfaction is helping another family or helping anywhere we can. And uh, we don't want pay. We don't want press. We don't look for that. And Ethan was the Ethan was the example of the Papa Volunteer Fire Department. Quillen was a Marine Corps veteran. He was killed by working on 30th Street near Red Arrow Highway. He was responding to a downed power line when a tree broke, causing more of the power line to come down. A memorial to Quillen's been placed outside the Pawpaw Fire Station. A GoFundMe launched by the fire department for Quillen's family had already raised more than $35,000 by tonight. Meanwhile, the Berrien County Board of Commissioners has taken a moment of silence for Quillen. Berrien County Sheriff Paul Bailey approached the board today. But I just want to come up here and take a moment of silence for the Pawpaw firefighter that was killed yesterday, Ethan Quillen. So if we could take a moment of silence to remember him and his family and the Pawpaw Fire Department. Commissioner Terry Freeling chairing the meeting thanks Bailey. And our heartfelt prayers go to the family and to that department. Thank you. State Senator Eric Nesbitt issued a statement today saying his heart and prayers are with the family and those who served with him. Nesbitt said, quote, our communities are blessed by our brave first responders who put the needs of others before their own. This tragedy is a hard reminder that these men and women put their lives on the line each and every call they respond to. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners is putting its money where its mouth is when it comes to seeking the expansion of broadband Internet. At today's meeting, the board approved a resolution to offer up to $4.5 million in federal ARPA funds as support for Internet service providers that seek state Robin grants to expand high-speed Internet. Commissioner Freeling said the county's broadband committee met this week with five ISPs looking for support. We were able to have those conversations, answer some questions, know that we do have seriousness from the ISPs of submitting a grant, one of which is so serious that they're looking at a large coverage for Berrien County in their grant application. I wouldn't say that it's countywide, but it is substantial. Commissioner Rayante Bell said today's resolution would combine ARPA funds with funds coming from local governments and ISPs to make Robin applications more attractive. The Robin program was included in the state's Building Michigan Together plan, setting aside $250 million to expand high-speed Internet. The deadline for ISPs to apply for Robin grants is in March. County Administrator Brian DeSette said the county's trying to provide as much assistance as possible to those companies. Berrien County Commissioner Alex Ott is with Commissioner Chokwe Pitchford when it comes to the issue of the Orchards Mall. Speaking today, Ott said he recently took a tour of the mall after Pitchford last week said he wants to find a better use for the property. I have to agree with Commissioner Pitchford. Something has to be done with what's going on in that place. I never knew it was in that much disarray, and I definitely would be on board with you to get things going. Pitchford said today he has heard from the owners of the mall after last week he said he wants it torn down. He's seeking an inspection of the building to determine if it's safe for people to be in there. He said he's not seeking county action, but is seeking information for the community to help Benton Township, quote, work the situation out. 
A dispute between Whirlpool and Benton Township over an easement near the location of the M63 tunnel construction by Whirlpool's headquarters has been resolved. Township Supervisor Kathy Yates told us today. We do have it resolved, and I'm really glad to say that. Benton Township had asked Whirlpool to guarantee the township an easement for future sewer work as part of its construction agreement for the Lakeview Trail Tunnel, which would allow for increased access to the new trails on the Whirlpool campus. Whirlpool expressed concerns this could cause a delay in the construction project, but said at Tuesday's township board meeting they were willing to work with the township. Details on the resolution weren't released, but Township Attorney Dave Eberly told us a revised construction agreement will be presented to the Township Board for final approval at an upcoming meeting. Any additional details regarding the matter will be presented at that time. State Senator Jonathan Lindsay has been getting to know the ropes in Lansing since taking office in January. The Republican represents the new 17th District, which covers Berrien County south of Stevensville and then on east in the Cass and St. Joseph Counties and beyond. He tells us he graduated from Yale and served in special forces before deciding to get into politics. You know, it basically came down to we had moved back to Michigan after living in some other places around the country and just thought there was an opportunity to see better government here. I think it's why most people get in is they see an opportunity to serve, think that we can make something better. Lindsay says since taking office, much of his attention has been on budget negotiations and talk about tax cuts. The Democrats have attempted to prevent a tax cut for the people of Michigan. And we've been up there fighting to say, no, not only is this tax cut really important for the people of Michigan right now, but it's also something that could help move the economy forward. Lindsay says his top priority is the economy. As he's traveled around the district, he's noted most areas of it have agricultural interests to protect. Closer to the lakeshore, he says people are concerned about short-term rentals. He's listening to them and will do so in person in Bridgman tomorrow. He'll be at Small Town Grounds from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. Later on, he'll be at Jim's Smokin' Cafe in Niles from 4.30 to 5.30. Lindsay invites everyone to come and meet him. And Congressman Bill Heisinger has not been impressed to see the Biden administration's handling of objects shot down in the sky in recent weeks. He tells us with the first one, the Chinese spy balloon, at least the administration knew for sure it was a spy balloon. They knew what it was. They knew uh, where it was going. That's different than suddenly having an, quote, object appearing over Montana and then losing track of it. And then the next morning having it appear in Michigan and shooting it down without even really knowing what it is. Heisinga wonders if NORAD's been following the proper policy. That has clearly not been functioning the way that we would have assumed or would have hoped or would ex- should expect. So we seem to now have this policy of we're just going to blow everything out of the air no matter what it is. That's not policy. That's public relations, I think, on by this White House. Heisinga says the White House got hammered over its response to the spy balloon, then overreacted when shooting down the other objects before knowing what they were. He said it took two missiles to take out the object that crashed into Lake Huron. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. The Biden administration is not letting the derailed train owner off the hook for the physical and environmental damage it's caused in Ohio. ABC's Andy Field has more from Washington. The EPA administrator telling Norfolk Southern Rail to pay all the cleanup bills. If the company doesn't, the EPA said it'll make the company pay three times the cost of whatever cleanup is needed. Biden Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre also calling on congressional Republicans who had supported cutting rail safety rules to now vote and put them back in. 
Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. Meanwhile, estimates from Ohio show the devastating effects of the East Palestine train derailment on local aquatic animals. ABC's Dave Packer has more. The toxic chemicals released from the East Palestine train derailment leading to the death of an estimated 43,000 fish and amphibians like frogs in nearby streams. That from the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, the department collecting nearly 3,000 dead fish and estimating the larger number using a mathematic model. The department noting that the fish kill happened immediately and they haven't seen any continued animal deaths in area streams. Dave Packer, ABC News. Disgraced South Carolina attorney Alex Murdaugh has denied killing his wife and son but admitted to lying about when he last saw them alive while testifying in his own defense. He's charged with murder and the fatal shootings of his wife and son who were killed near Kennels on their property on June 7th of 2021. Murdaugh faces 30 years to life in prison if convicted. In his testimony today, the 54-year-old continued to deny any role in the killings. Prosecutors spent four weeks of testimony painting Murdaugh as a liar who decided to kill his wife and son because he wanted sympathy to buy time to cover up his financial crimes that were about to be discovered. The White House has announced a high-stakes meeting of world leaders on the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. More from ABC's Jay O'Brien. The White House announcing President Biden will meet with G7 leaders and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Friday, the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre saying new aid to Ukraine will also be unveiled, in addition to new sanctions against Russia's defense and technology sector, Russian banks, and Putin allies. Jay O'Brien, ABC News, the White House. Audio intercepts obtained by the Associated Press of conversations between Russian soldiers in Ukraine and their loved ones give an intimate glimpse of how ordinary men found themselves condoning atrocities and turning into killers. Their conversations offered a harrowing new perspective on Russian President Vladimir Putin's year-old war seen through the eyes of Russian soldiers themselves. In the tapes, we hear mothers struggle to reconcile pride and horror as they listen to their sons describe atrocities. See how propaganda fueled violence. Listen as children, fathers, and wives beg the soldiers not to drink too much. And please call, and above all else, please come home. The U.S. Commerce Secretary says the country is on the verge of taking a major step forward in national security with investments in semiconductor manufacturing. Here's more from ABC's Justin Finch. Semiconductors are microchips responsible for key functions in everything from our TVs to computers to cars. And now more semiconductors are poised to be American-made thanks to the Bipartisan Chips Act passed last year. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo says the legislation aims to position the U.S. as a global semiconductor leader and bolster national security, filling the void left after chip manufacturing largely moved overseas and supplies dwindled as as demand grew during the pandemic. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. Winter storms are sowing more chaos across the U.S. The weather shut down much of Portland after the city experienced its second snowiest day in history and paralyzed travel from parts of the Pacific coast all the way to the northern plains. The nearly 11 inches of snow that fell in Portland stalled traffic during the evening rush hour and trapped drivers on freeways Wednesday. Some spent the night in their vehicles or abandoned them altogether as crews struggled to clear roads. The storms brought heavy snow to places that rarely see it, knocking out power to hundreds of thousands of homes and grounded or delayed thousands of flights. Also, snow is falling in Southern California. It's a rare treat for people there who don't typically see it. ABC's Alex Stone reports from Los Angeles County where people are playing in the snow. Around Southern California, it is snowing now. Even a light dusting at the Hollywood sign in the mountains around L.A. The snow coming down harder. Claire Legillis heading into it. I'm stoked. I'm honestly like, um, it's crazy. I've, I've, this is the first time I've seen snow like this, like 
coming down like this hard and at this low of an elevation. It's a good thing she's loving it because there's a lot more snow to come. The blizzard warnings that are up in the L.A. and San Bernardino Mountains kick in on Friday. That's when highways could shut down. Alex Stone, ABC News in L.A. County. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.